it's like Batman from uh, uh, Batman v Superman. If there's even a 1% chance, you have to take it as an absolute certainty. So I can't. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Skylar. And I'm Gary. And welcome to the Nerds Inc. podcast. Gary, my friend, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, We're talking about a show that you and I have been talking through text messages about for the last two months. So it's exciting to tackle one of our new favorite Star Wars shows. You want to tell the people what we're talking about? Yeah, uh, we are going to be talking about the latest entry into the Star Wars universe, uh, the show Ahsoka, uh, starring Rosario Dawson uh, in the titular role of Ahsoka. Yes, we're finally giving our review. It's been some time now, almost exactly one more. Actually, by the time this episode drops, it will have been (laughs) over a month since the final episode of season one dropped of Ahsoka, uh, a show that did premiere back in August. On August 22nd, the first episode or the first two episodes dropped on Disney Plus. So you can definitely check out the show there after you listen to our spoiler uh, free thoughts or if you want to go the full gambit and you've already seen the show then please finish the episode and then go watch it again um (laughs) but uh i guess before we jump in gary uh to kind of more of the nitty-gritty details you know what are your spoiler free thoughts about ahsoka for those that are listening so ahsoka is the show that i think every star wars show should kind of like glean from um And anyone who listens to this show knows one of the big points for me when it comes to TV, film, is always about pacing. Pacing is important for me. So the pacing for Ahsoka was really well done. You know, from episode to episode, I didn't feel like at least um, anything was done too fast. I didn't feel like any plot points were kind of yada yada or anything. It was just okay, we're going to set up the, the universe uh, that Ahsoka is in in the first 10 minutes of this episode of episode one. And then the rest of the show, you're going to be trying to figure out what is going on. And I think it did really well in that regards um, in setting up, you know, what to kind of expect. Um, I, I really like the fact that they didn't really leave us hanging too much uh, from episode to episode. Uh, there was very few episodes or, very few moments where it's just like, okay, I don't know what's going on or I don't know where we're going next. I need to uh, get more information. Uh, Every episode, I felt like they kind of like hit every plot point and they left only a few threads loose that will tie into the next episode. It was never anything where, and I think uh, Dave Filoni does this really well in general, where he'll set up something and the show that's specifically for the show to be, you know, answered and resolved, but sets up something bigger for the universe to kind of dive into, you know, like we, many of us who watch this show saw, uh, whether it be the clone wars TV show or rebels, you know, each episode, um, usually was its own self-contained thing, but there were a few episodes where they would tie into each other. And then you'll have those, uh, I guess, universe, building moments um there's plenty of them in the clone war show where you kind of got to see that descent into vader for uh anakin and things like that so i think that this show really had feloni's 
fingerprint all over it. And because of that, it made the show work really well in, in its own right, but also work really well for the overall Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, so for my spoiler-free thoughts, I guess when I was coming into the show, I was very excited. Um, it was definitely in my top 10, if not my top five, for most anticipated shows of 2023. Um, I was definitely ready uh, for more Star Wars content, um, especially with you know us kind of going through a book of Boba Fett and that kind of being lackluster. And you and I have talked about that or you know even the, the third season of Mandalorian uh, and kind of how that ended. And I know that that kind of rubbed a lot of us the wrong way. And if you want more information go ahead and watch or and listen to our review of mandalorian season three we'll talk about that um (laughs) so a part of me was a little worried but also really excited just because i do like the care the character of ahsoka um full transparency i've i've seen several episodes of clone wars i've kind of jumped around watching that and i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it i haven't seen any of star wars rebels though Mm. so i will fully admit that so um you know some characters that do appear in this show that once again, it's spoiler free at the moment. I won't spoil, but there are some characters certainly that appear that um, are from Star Wars Rebels that I didn't necessarily have a deep connection to that I know a lot of fans did and do have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was also kind of nervous about that because it is kind of spoiled for us in some of the trailers and the promos that it's going to feature a lot of storylines from both the Clone Wars as well as the Rebels TV show, which Dave Filoni and George Lucas did kind of help create these characters. So mm-hmm. it made sense. Um from that aspect, I, I wasn't as lost as I thought I was going to be. So like yeah. as the episodes progressed and you do start seeing these characters pop back up, um, I think they did a pretty good job of providing just enough exposition that you're not completely lost, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. And you can definitely tell where they like held certain moments. Uh, the pacing slowed down a little bit because they wanted that dramatic effect of like, look who it is again. And once again, <laughs> for someone like me, I'm just like, oh, this is a nice shot of that actor. But you know, if you haven't seen that show or that episode, you're kind of like, all right, yeah, it's a person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess in that aspect, maybe it didn't hit as as meaningful as it could have. And so that's on me to do my homework. And I definitely plan on watching Rebels eventually and finishing Clone Wars. Um, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought that it was really cool to, uh, to get some of the cool lightsaber fights back. You know, obviously we saw a lot of that with the Star Wars Kenobi show. Um, you know, it just brought back some of like those classic Jedi moments. Um it brought back uh, kind of a mystery to the dark side again that I don't think we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to see, you know, the whole light versus good again. So right. I think it, it was a very kind of classic Star Wars story um, that we got to see unfold and kind of the next progression for all of these characters, including Ahsoka. So um, I think all in all, yeah, I think it, it accomplished what it wanted to, where it was bringing both regular Star Wars film fans as well as Star Wars fans of the TV shows and was able to bring them together. Yeah, I'm glad you actually brought up about, you know, the the fact that there was a lot of content from Rebels in this that people who may not have seen that show or a lot of stuff from the Clone Wars for people who may not have seen that show or either one um, that was really dove into and then expounded upon because I've only watched maybe a couple of episodes of Rebels. Um, It was never anything I just like sat down and binge through yet. Um, I'm almost done with Clone Wars. I'm literally on the last season right now, but I didn't feel lost either. And I think that goes back to how well, of a storyteller um, 
Filoni and George Lucas are because when you look at like the this story and how it progresses from episode to episode, like I really never felt like, oh, I need to go watch Rebels to really understand what's going on. I felt like, oh, I need to go watch Rebels so I can like really enjoy what's going on. <laughs> um, and I think that that's something that and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I think that's something that Marvel can take a, a page out of their book from because, you know, as we've talked about in plenty of episodes, you know, if you want to create this larger than life universe, one that really expands from, you know, TV to film. And uh, as DC is saying, they're trying to do with James Gunn video games as well. You have to make sure that you have things that flow between each medium in a way where it doesn't cause the audience to have to sit back and be like, okay, so I got to watch these five shows. I got to go play this video game and I have to go watch these seven movies to understand this one character moment in this movie that's going to be like two minutes long. You don't want to have the audience like that. No, agreed. Um, yeah, I think that D- Dave Filoni is a amazing writer. Um, I know that he kind of learned under George Lucas in that way. And, you know, just kind of a fun fact for everybody. We've talked about, obviously, Dave Filoni being the showrunner. He was also the head writer on this. And he got, he brought back George Lucas himself to co-write. So it was just the two of them co-writing every episode. That's all. Nice eight episodes of season one of Ahsoka, which I think was really cool. And Dave Filoni even got to direct episodes one and five, which were very Mm -hmm. special episodes. Um, So yeah, I think it was really cool because I think it kind of went back to the original impact and craft that, that star Wars can have. And I think a lot of that is bringing George Lucas back into the fray. A lot of that is because Dave Filoni created the character of Ahsoka and therefore Mm -hmm. has an affinity for her and all of these characters. So I think, if we're being completely honest, like Dave Filoni outside of George Lucas is kind of becoming the new godfather of Star Wars. He is the most well-versed in the lore. He understands the stories and the characters and, you know, the motives of the Jedi and the Sith alike more than anyone. And I think if this um, franchise, if this series, if this, you know, IP is going to be passed down to anyone. Um, it should be passed down to Dave Filoni. Um, Agree. John Favreau obviously did a tremendous job with the first, you know, few seasons of The Mandalorian. But I think, as far as storytelling goes, no one does it like Dave Filoni. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. All right, and I think at that point, um, those are our spoiler-free thoughts. So if you have not seen season one of Ahsoka, I certainly recommend pausing the episode here, going back watching it or finishing it and then resuming the episode of this podcast. But if you've already finished it, then let's continue. What I certainly want to jump in first is our character list. Now that we're jumping into the spoiler filled parts, because obviously the character list would be spoiler filled. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously uh, with the character of Ahsoka Tano, we do have Rosario Dawson, which Obviously, we all love Rosario and the fact that she was the perfect fan cast. She made all of our hearts happy that she was cast in this role. We have David Tennant playing Hu Yang, which was really cool. He plays the droid. Uh, Natasha Leo Bordzato is Sabine Wren. We have Mary Elizabeth Weinstead playing Hera Syndulla. Ray Stevenson is playing Balin Skull, R.I.P. R.I.P. Ivana Sakno is playing Sheen Hati. Diana Lee Itson Zanto, I butchered that. Uh, she's playing Morgan Lee. Uh, Iman Esfandi is playing Ezra Bridger. Hayden Christensen makes his return as Anakin Skywalker. And 
Then we have, uh, I guess if we want to throw this in here, uh, we have uh, Jason Sandulas played by Evan Witten. Uh, oh, well, I have to mention this guy, of course. We have Lars Mickelson playing Grand Admiral. Yes, Thrawn. that's the one. Yes, with <laughs> with a notable mention, of course, to uh, Paul Sung Hoon Lee returning as Captain Carson Teva. Also from oh, yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. We love him. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, this is really just uh, a phenomenal cast. Uh, Gary, what, what did you think of this cast? I uh, absolutely loved it. And honestly, I didn't realize uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in this until I think it was like episode three or four when all the memes started popping up about um, General Hera. Uh, and I was just like, that looks familiar. And then I did some research. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, she was one of the few bright spots in uh, Birds of Prey. Um, and then she's been in plenty of other films and TV shows that she usually steals uh, at least one or two scenes from. But um, I have to say, the character of Sabine, <sighs> she was annoying, uh-huh. but I think she was written to be that way. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's why I love and hate her. <laughs> because she made some very, very dumb decisions early in the in the season that I was just like, what is your problem? But by the end of the season, when and when, when we get to the episode, we'll definitely talk about that that moment where I was just like, okay, Sabine, I can I can respect you now. And you know, you kind of this show was really that character development for her that you got to see her go from being this character that I think they wanted you to be like, I don't see how anyone could want to root for her to, okay, you know what? I may not root for her, but she's, she's okay. Uh, and then, you know, Ray Stevenson's uh, Balin, he was just absolutely phenomenal. Like from the moment he stepped on screen, he always has like incredible screen presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad he got his flowers uh, for this uh, role. Uh, I really hate to hear, you know, that he, you know, I think he died shortly after, the first two episodes launched so that sucks um i don't know what they're going to do with that character um but i do hope that you know in some way shape form or fashion that they you know honor that legacy agreed yeah no he has an amazing screen presence and this goes all the way back to if, if anyone has ever seen him in like the second punisher movie yeah he was great as as frank in the punisher um and then yeah seeing uh mary elizabeth weinstead in this was such like a pleasant surprise it's not really something that you would expect to see her in but right uh, i've been a fan of her since i saw scott pilgrim versus the world um she's so good uh in that and so now everything i see her in i'm like she's a great actress so um yeah no th- this cast is really outstanding um with some notable kind of surprising newcomers that i haven't seen before right um let's go ahead and jump into our episode by episode breakdown as we always do and so in episode uh one we have it titled as part one master and apprentice and this is a valuable prisoner escapes new republic custody and a search for answers reunites two old friends gary what were your thoughts on episode one this was a really good episode um, this really established the tone like it should have. Um, and it's funny because uh, by the time the show had come out, I had really started trying to burn through uh, the rest of the Clone Wars uh, seasons. Uh, I was like in the middle of season five or near the end of season five. So I burned all the way through the end of season five and I got up through like maybe halfway of season seven. And for those of you who may have watched it or who may not have watched it, 
midway through season five is when Ahsoka actually left the Jedi Order because she was being framed for murder and it was real emotional, honestly. Uh, perfect uh, Dave Filoni type of writing and, and storytelling. And so to see this pick up almost exclusively after everything that happened with that um, and to see where you know she is and to see everything that happened from uh, The Mandalorian, it was like really, uh, it was really, it was really amazing, honestly, and I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed um, episode one. I, I like that they released uh, the first two episodes, kind of like as a bundle, as like a little teaser. It's right. something that Hulu does, uh, Amazon does it a little bit too, uh, when they release uh, new seasons. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. Um, I was a little lost. I'm not going to lie because it started introducing these characters such as uh, Sabine um, and of course, you know, kind of mentioning Ezra and then, mm-hmm. you know, General Sandula. So there's like a lot of new faces kind of thrown at me. And once again, I kind of saw that coming, um, <laughs> you know, to an extent and then the trailers. Uh, so um, I think I just kind of like took that in. But once again, I think it did a, a kind of a great backstory of just kind of like explaining at least what they've been doing for the last few years. Because if I'm not right. mistaken, there's been about a five year difference between uh, the start of this show and when Rebels ended. Um, because mm-hmm. it's kind of following right after the events of Mandalorian. And that yep. takes place about five years after the fall of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um so it's all very fresh and they're still dealing with the fallout of that and kind of like what they were able to accomplish. Um, obviously like I know that they had kind of a falling out with, um, you know, kind of ending the empire and then what ended up happening to Ezra and then general Thrawn. So kind of a lot was going on there. Um, so yeah, I think episodes one and two were both kind of a slow burn for me in that sense, because I, I think my brain was just trying to process like, you know, where's the show going to go? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think I was just so vigilant with it. I honestly, it, it's hard for me to like really rate the first two episodes because of that, because there was just so much exposition thrown at right. me, which like I said, if, if I think if the show would have kept doing it like this, instead of introducing new story or new characters, it probably would have been too exposition heavy. Agreed. But I think for the first two, it was just the right amount. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, speaking of episode two, moving into that, we have part two, uh, Toll and Trouble. And this is Ahsoka and General Harrison Dula travel to New Republic shipyards and make an unexpected discovery. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I think this was the one that really kind of like popped off the action really heavy um, because this is when they get to that shipyard and they realize, oh, snap, the Empire hasn't really gone away like we thought it did. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, and that's one of the things I really like about the Star Wars universe in general is like they find creative ways to really make certain cliches interesting. Because like anyone who does storytelling knew that, OK, the Empire was going to find a way to kind of like creep its way into this show. Um, but they did it in a way in this episode that I think was able to kind of really draw you in. Um, and to me, that's what made this interesting. And then I think um, towards the end of this episode is when uh, Sabine's kind of got a little bit annoying for me <laughs> because of her uh, constant bickering with uh, Ahsoka. But uh, overall, this episode was really good. I don't think it was better than episode one. Um, I would say it would probably be a little bit under it, but it wasn't bad in any stretch of the imagination for me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think this really helps set up kind of uh, Ray Stevenson, uh, you know, his uh, Balin scroll and then his young apprentice um, in Shin. Yeah, let me pull her name back up. Okay, yes, in in Shin Hati. Um, yeah. So I think it kind of sets them up in a, in a kind of a great way. And I think this is where it starts getting the ball rolling. You kind of see mm-hmm. where things are going, uh, kind of like what they're able to kind of uncover. Um, and I think it kind of starts them on that path of like, okay, mm-hmm. this is where the show is going, uh, which is important because, like I said, with the amount of exposition exposition that's thrown at you in these first two episodes, I think it's it's important that they start to kind of establish their own story story um and then i feel like this is where it really picks up for me um agree so moving into episode three which is called part three time to fly and this is where hera tangles with new republic politics while ahsoka and sabine wren voyage to a distant planet gary what were your thoughts on episode three episode three for me really tied into andor and really made andor a little bit more enjoyable looking back on it because Andor really dealt with a lot of this type of political backlash back and forth, trying to like really uh, break down and explain how politics works in the uh, Star Wars universe to a deeper level, you know, in a way that we never really got to see uh, maybe outside of a few episodes of the Clone Wars and maybe in some episodes of Rebels. But um, this episode, you really got to see, okay, the New Republic is either willfully ignorant or they're just straight up dumb to think that like no one's going to try to, you know, go against what they're doing um, and try to bring back Thrawn um, and to see them just really just shut her down. But to kind of see Hera trying her hardest to really push the, the, the mindset that, you know, this is not something that you should take like lightly. Uh, was really interesting to see. And I think this is one of those episodes where I was more interested in how the dialogue was being done and being portrayed more so than any action uh, that would have shown up in this episode, just because I enjoyed the back and forth between the actors. I think that they all did really well in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think th- this was the episode that also introduced that Senator, at least in live action form Senator, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's spelled with an X, uh, Senator Ziano, which is X I O N O. I know uh, yeah. that uh, Senator Zino's um, planet is destroyed in the sequel trilogy. It's one of the planets that the first order destroys yeah. when they're showcasing that new planet, you know, death star part two or <laughs> yeah. part three, technically uh, weapon that when they're destroying all those planets. Uh, so it's Senator Zino's planet that's destroyed. Um, so I love that they're kind of like foreshadowing his blissful ignorance and just assuming that the empire is gone. And, right. and I, I kind of, I, I loved the back and forth between him and, and General Sandula and like mm-hmm. kind of like where that goes as the story progresses. But just to see how ignorant the Republic has become and mm-hmm. it's like barely 10 years old, you know, like this, <laughs> this, this new Republic has just, you know, found its footing again. But to be that kind of willfully ignorant and assume that, oh, yeah, we wiped out the Empire. They're not a threat anymore. You know, Thrawn no longer exists, all this and that. And I think that's where... Filoni is setting up obviously future stories to go, but also really setting up where I think a lot of people were hoping they were going to try to retcon the sequel trilogy. This kind of sets up the sequel trilogy perfectly because you see how the first order can rise out of this Mm -hmm. um, when you have senators that don't believe that there is threats out there. 
Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, episode three kind of does a great job with that and kind of getting into the, the politics that are surrounding Coruscant and the mm-hmm. new Republic. Um, and it's just always cool to kind of go back to that world. I, I think Coruscant I is one of my favorite planets. Um, moving into uh, part four where it is fallen Jedi. And this is where Hera risks her career to help her friends while Ahsoka and Sabine confront enemies so gary what did you think of episode four so correct me if i'm wrong this is the episode before they actually get to the planet uh this no, is this where is, they're is this when this they're is, chasing them or is this when they're actually on yeah the planet? This, this is the episode where like there's the fight yeah the the sabine and ahsoka get to fight balen's goal and his oh yeah okay yeah yeah planet. so this is the one where i was like okay i see what sabine is trying to do and I understood and I couldn't be mad at her because it's just like, if you, ha- it's like Batman from uh, uh, Batman v Superman. If there's even a 1% chance, you have to take it as an absolute certainty. So I, <laughs> I understood not, it. Not you quoting Batman v Superman. <laughs> what world are we living in? Hey, no, it's, it's a guilty pleasure movie. It's a guilty pleasure movie. I'm proud of you. Your tastes have changed. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I I think this was a really good episode, and I really love the fight between Sabine and Shin because I think this was like part three. <laughs> Shin won every single one of them. Yeah. Um, no, th- those fights were were kind of interesting to see, and I, I love that this is kind of like the episode that's really establishing Ahsoka and Sabine's new relationship because obviously they haven't seen each other since the events of uh, kind of the ending of Rebels. Um, And so I I think this is great because this is Sabine taking up the lightsaber again and realizing like, okay, yes, I can, I can train to be a Jedi. Uh, And and, uh, Hu Yang is even kind of supporting her in this. And then to see the thing that I guess frustrated me about this, and I guess it just goes with, you know, apprentices not listening to their masters, which we have seen across every single Star Wars story. Yeah. But, um, you know, that moment when they leave the ship because they realize, okay, yeah, all of these guys are here. Stormtroopers are here. You know, we're, we know that they're going to go find Thrawn from this planet. We need to stop them. Mm-hmm. And then they leave the ship and Hu Yang's like, you know, stay together. And it's right. like, we're going to stay together. And the second they see Balin's goal, and his apprentice, they're like, you take them, I'll take them. Ah. <laughs> and they immediately split up almost instantly. And I think that right. was the most frustrating part. Like, I get it. It's like, it's one-on-one. So they're, they're trying to make it, I guess, even. And they think they can do it. But let's be real. Ahsoka, trained Jedi master, no longer a Jedi technically, but still... Right she can handle herself with multiple different fighters. Mm-hmm. Sabine is like, has picked up a lightsaber for the first time in how long, you right. know, and we're expecting her to be able to take on like a trained apprentice. So I think like that was an unfair fight from the beginning, but you know, to be fair, she held her own. And I just, I loved every single interaction between Balin and Ahsoka. Every time yes. they had their two fights across two different episodes, um, because they're both from the same era. Like, I mean, yeah. technically they're both probably the same age. Ahsoka just ages better. Right. <laughs> than Balin does. Um, but you know, they, they both were, you know, younger when the old Republic, or I guess now the high Republic fell. And when the empire took over and they each survived that. And, you know, so like their histories are so intertwined. And mm. I think Balin even like mentioning like, Oh, I, I knew master Skywalker and like mm-hmm. saying like he knew her master and, and obviously what he became and all those hints towards that I thought made their fight so much more interesting because you could tell they were quite evenly matched. Yeah. Um, 
And then how that episode ended with the cliffhanger was just like insane because here I'm thinking that like, oh, he just kicked her over the edge. She fell in the water. She's going to climb back up. I'm waiting for that to happen. And then like you don't see her anywhere. You don't see her body. And then Sabine, you know, giving over the the orb uh, to to Balin. I was very kind of like shocked a little bit, but I knew that she was doing whatever it took to find Ezra. So I guess the lengths that you go to save the ones that you love. I don't know. what, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. It was like that this episode was one of those where it's like it's kind of perfectly done with the cliffhanger because it leads perfectly into episode five. And I think it works really well in that regard because you get to kind of see and feel in episode five like, okay, this is great. But like what's going on with Sabine? And, you know, you, you don't really get a full answer on it until towards the end of episode five, which I think works really well. Mm hmm. Speaking of episode five, moving into part five, Shadow Warrior, uh, one of the two episodes, of course, directed by Dave Filoni himself. Uh, Gary, what did you think of Shadow Warrior? <sighs> best episodes. <laughs> this is the best episode of the series. Um, I was going Easily. back and forth on it um, for a while because I really enjoyed uh, some of the other episodes that come in uh, after this. But like, really thinking about it, like... Between the acting, the action, the the backstory, the, the character development, everything just from top to bottom was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, this is definitely the best episode uh, of the entire series. Agreed. Um, I felt like where Obi-Wan Kenobi and that show fully redeemed Hayden Christensen in my eyes, although let's be real for, for us and like people our age, you know, kind of like the, um, the, the final, uh, final age group, if you will, of millennials, I think we grew up in a time where the prequels were big because we were yep. kids. And so I always loved Hayden Christensen. I Same. can kind of understand why people thought that he was a little wooden in his acting. I get it. That's more to do with the writing than anything. If we're being Agreed. real, but for him to be fully redeemed where it's like every single Star Wars fan out there loved him, you know, seeing him obviously in Obi-Wan Kenobi and him reprising that character, seeing him here again in Shadow Warrior was amazing. Uh, I agree with you. I think it was not only the best episode of Ahsoka, but I think easily a top two, top three episode of any Star Wars show that we've gotten so far, in my Clearly. opinion. Um, it's so good um, just to be able to kind of see those callbacks to the Clone Wars TV show, getting to see them kind of, you know, journey through the timeline that she had with Anakin when they were fighting in the Clone Wars together uh, and just kind of her reliving that journey. In the beginning, I wasn't sure if it was like a forced vision, if she was really in the past, what was going on. But I love that Anakin from Beyond the Gra- Grave was still trying to teach her a lesson. Right. Um and yeah, I mean, uh, Hayden Christensen, I mean, and I think this happens with many actors that like as you age and you've experienced more life, uh, you, you do tend to have some more gravity, some more presence, some more authority in your your acting ability. And certainly he was only like 19, 20 years old when he did you know, Attack of the Clones and then doing Revenge of the Sith right after. So mm-hmm. he's a very young actor then. And I think it is unfair to judge someone that young who literally Agreed. just started acting. Um, and you can see just like he took a break from Hollywood. He came back and you can really see how much he's grown um, as an actor and as a person. So I think Hayden Christensen brought some new nuances to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, there's that legendary scene that I think we can all say is like, 
probably a top five Star Wars scene of all time when he's walking at her and they start fighting kind of towards the end of the episode. And he's like, you lack conviction. And he's walking and he's got the red lightsaber and all the, the, the cloud of smoke is around him. And he just shakes his arm and he flashes into Darth Vader, shakes his arm again, and then lightning strikes and he turns back into Anakin. Probably one of the coolest cinematography or cinematic moments ever for Star Wars. But then really just the cinematography in this episode in general was really cool. They used mostly practical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, all the stormtroopers were real actors in, mm-hmm. in stormtrooper or in clone trooper costumes. Um, it was just really cool to see. And I think it like if you're a fan of the Clone Wars or even if you didn't see the Clone Wars and you're a fan of just, you know, Anakin, um, I think this you know, for those that didn't see the Clone Wars at all and are like suddenly like, wait a minute, he had an apprentice since when? Because obviously <laughs> she's not mentioned at all in Revenge of the Sith because she right. wasn't created yet as a character. Right. Um, but I think that this kind of really tells you what their relationship was like and how much she looked up to him and how much, you know, he admired her and how, how good she was for him. Uh, and I, I think that uh, Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship was really special, but um, loved Hayden Christensen in this episode. And I love that, you know, kind of while, you know, uh, Ahsoka is going through this journey that, you know, uh, Hera, uh, General Sandula is doing everything she can to buy her time right. uh, for her to kind of come back out of this. So, um, the, the stakes for this episode were, were pretty amazing and I, I didn't really know where it was going to go, but I was very satisfied with it. Yeah. Um, before we, we go to the next episode, I have to ask you your opinion on this. Cause I, as you were talking, I thought about this. Uh, so it's actually two things. One, when they did that shot towards the end of the, uh, the vision, I guess when she was seeing Anakin and he was walking off and he was in that full Vader look, what were your thoughts? And then two, how did you feel with them kind of like showing that uh, General Syndulla's son was very force sensitive? Yeah. I mean, his father was a Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that much that apparently like in Rebels, his his father was a Jedi. So that makes sense to me. Um, I, I would love to see him kind of evolve into a Jedi. Uh, that would be cool. Do a time jump, please, because I don't know something about <laughs> kids uh and acting it, it's it's either they're great or they're not and i mean yeah. th- don't get me wrong i'm not trying to diss the, the kid who is the who played jason i'm getting off topic but <laughs> <laughs> um no the 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 shot though of, of vader i think was amazing and i love that they even showed the moments where anakin was vader and he had the sith eyes the yellow sith eyes and then you know ahsoka would just you know be trying to really talk some sense into him and then there was the moment where he closed his eyes and he was anakin again mm-hmm. and the the, the brown eyes came back so um no i thought it was it was excellent i know people were also hinting that there's the flash where like ahsoka overpowers anakin then she has yellow sith eyes there's that uh theory out there i'm not entirely sure it could have just been weird lighting with the lightsabers i don't know Um, but regardless ahsoka is not a jedi anymore and Mm -hmm. i think she's very much what the 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 old um star wars legend stories would call a gray jedi agree she's she's somewhere in the middle that's what i think too so she has the ability to be both light and dark. And I think yeah. that's why her character is great and why everyone loves her. Um, so, yeah, I love that that vision kind of showcased that for her. Yeah, that that, that to me, that whole aspect of it. And then just the, that shot, that one shot with him in that Vader uh, look is so beautiful, bro. Like I, I find that to be, to me, the highlight of the episode, because it's just like you kind of really get to see that uh, juxtaposition of... You know, he's in his Vader suit, 
but he's on the battlefield that he was in as Anakin. And you can't, you really get to see that, that difference. I, I just love that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, really quite amazing. Um, all right. Moving in to episode six, which is part six, far, far away. This is where we are finally introduced to Grand Admiral Thrawn. The tagline for it is the search for Grand Admiral Thrawn reaches beyond the limits of the galaxy. Gary, what did you think of this episode? Um, this was a really good episode. Um, I would say this is probably one of my least favorite just because it, this one felt more like we had to really set up a lot, which I'm not, I'm not going to knock them for it, but they did have a lot to, to try to set up. And they I'm glad did, that yeah. they took their time with it to really set up, you know, what they were trying to set up with, you know, the dark sisters and Admiral Thrawn and really not giving away the plan, um, that they had because we all knew that they were going to try to get him out, but it was just like, okay, what is his actual plan once he gets out? And they didn't give it away, which I'm happy that they didn't do. Um, good. I loved seeing uh, Admiral Thrawn. I think he had uh, charisma and a presence that was befitting of his character because if he is the most feared man in the galaxy, you have to give me reason to fear him. Mm-hmm. And the moment he stepped on the screen, I was scared. I was like, how are they going to win? And mm-hmm. then I'd be wanting to jump forward because I love so many moments in these next two episodes. But the way that they really just show how smart and tactical he is throughout the rest of this season, that's a chef's kiss right there for me. No, and the extended uh, universe, what it's called, now called the EU, is like he was a brilliant mastermind. Like he could yeah. outthink everybody. He was he was like the the evil Batman in that way, <laughs> the ultimate tact- tactician. <laughs> um, yeah, with this episode, I, I do kind of like that. Yeah, we don't really see Ahsoka or Hu Yang who are now traveling in the belly of a space whale, uh, or not the belly but the mouth, right? As they're traveling, right. but then we do get to see kind of like what is going on uh, once. Um, uh, Balin uh, and company kind of arrive to this very distant planet in a distant galaxy. Um, yeah, and I do think that it is, this is a very slow episode. It kind of reminds me of like episode one where it's building up a lot right. uh, for where they're going to take the season. Uh, but yeah, I love uh, Lars Mikkelsen in this role. Um, just absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously a phenomenal actor, um, a, a Danish actor. Um, and he's like killed everything that he's been in. So like he was perfect casting for Grant and Admiral Thrawn. He has such a presence in this character. And yeah, this was like the first time that you get to see a live action Grand Admiral Thrawn in the Star Wars canon and knowing that like obviously he was in Rebels uh, before. Um, so yeah, it is interesting to see like what has he been up to because he's been marooned on this planet for five years and the fact that you know he still wears like a clean suit and all of the stormtroopers are dirty looking, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's a lot going on here. Right. It's an interesting planet. Um, yeah, so I think this this really helps set up the last two episodes in the best way. Agreed. Speaking of which, moving into part seven, dreams and madness, we have Hera must find and uh, must answer to the New Republic while a reunion takes place far, far away. So, Gary, what did you think of episode seven? I enjoyed this episode. Um, I think this episode really did a really, and I say it really a lot, but it did a really good job of picking up where the last episode left off and really kind of just catapulting catapulting it. I can't talk. 
but it pushed it forward. Um, it did a, a good job with that because you got to see, and this is something that I think people don't really grasp when it comes to storytelling, but being able to tie in so many different uh, plots and kind of show how they're all interconnected. Cause we're dealing with uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn and him working his plan. We have, uh, I think in this episode, we're also finally get to see how um, Ahsoka and Hu Yang are going to try to get to Sabine. Uh, then we have to deal with General Sindula and her trying to deal with what's going on uh, on Coruscant. And it's like you have all these different threads being wove, and they somehow start to tie it all together throughout this episode. And you got you get to really see, okay, Ahsoka and Sabine are going to come together, and it's going to be a pretty good reunion. Uh, we get to see Sabine finally meet um, Ezra again, and she, you know, has this great reunion. Uh, Balin, he starts to go on his own journey, and I think that they kind of were doing this intentionally with his character because I felt like they were trying to set him up for his own spinoff, which would have been absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But this episode was, it was one of those episodes where everything was being set up while they also were paying off a lot of things from the previous episode. And I think that was absolutely great. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I like that this is obviously you see Ezra at the end of episode six and that another really great cliffhanger moment. Um, so you know that a lot's going to go down in this episode. And I think it's just so cool that we get to see where Ezra is um, in a place of, he's like, I don't need a lightsaber. I just got the force powers. And he's literally like <laughs> taking on everybody um, with just the force and not even needing mm-hmm. a lightsaber. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I think there was like a lot of really great moments. Um, obviously once again, seeing, you know, general Sundula doing what she does best and trying to argue, uh, with the, with the new Republic. Um, <laughs> and, and just to try to let, you know, let them see the light of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think that this is where we kind of start to see the concoction of what's to come. We do get to see, uh, another, uh, Ahsoka and, and, uh, Balin battle kind yes. of like, you know, part two, which is really neat. And then that breaks up again. So, you know, they never really got to finish their fight. And I think that's kind of the sad part is like, I know they, mm-hmm. they obviously didn't want to kill the character of Balin because they knew they had Ray Stevenson. They had a really strong actor mm-hmm. and they could probably, they, you know, whether he was going to have his own spinoff, he would have certainly appeared in future uh, shows or maybe in the, the movie that Dave Filoni is working on. Right. Um, but it is sad to see that we're not going to see them fight again, or at least not right. the actor. I, 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 although I doubt they'll recast him. Yeah. Um, so it, it is sad. Um, but no, I think that there was so much to love with this episode. Uh, I love the kind of like those little hermit people yeah. that, <laughs> that Ezra lives amongst and the fact that their houses, um, they have shells on their backs, but then they also have houses that are moving and they just move really slow. Um, just, you know, Every good Star Wars story, whether it's with the Ewoks mm-hmm. on Endor, whether it's with the little penguin-looking dudes, I forget their name, <laughs> from The Last Jedi, right. or um, Babu Frick from you know, yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. There's, there's always some type of cute little Star Wars character. Yeah. And for that, I love that, that Dave Filoni brought his, his own twist on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was great. Um, I, I was, I gotta admit, I was a little concerned with this episode cause I saw everything that was going down and I knew that there was only eight episodes and I'm like, there's no way they're going to be able to wrap up this story. <laughs> like there's no way like with their, they haven't even reached Thrawn yet. And you know, right. Thrawn is supposed to be the big bad guy. So I think that was the part that was making a lot of people anxious is that they introduced Thrawn in episode six and there's only yep. eight episodes. So like you knew there, there was going to be something big going down. Yep. Before we jump into the last episode, though, I have to mention this because I had to had to verify it. But um, in Star Wars Rebels, 
the voice of Grand Admiral Thrawn is Lars Mikkelsen. Really? Yes. That is amazing. Yes, it is. I didn't realize that they brought the same actor back. Wow, that's that special. It is. It's great. All right. So moving in to the final episode, and that is episode eight, part eight, the Jedi, the witch and the warlord, which very <laughs> clever play on words to Chronicles of Narnia. Right. Gary, what did you think of the final episode? I don't think you could really. So I think this episode had two endings. We had the first ending where we got to see uh, Ezra get back to Coruscant and really say, it happened. You know, whether you wanted it to happen or not, it happened. And then we got the second ending, which I think was much more for, I guess, closure. And that's just us being able to see Sabine and Ahsoka kind of come together and live with those hermit people on that planet for where they're at. Um, which I, at first, I, when I first saw it, I was just like, this is a stupid ending. But then when I actually like sat back and thought about it and just like really looked back over the season, I was like, you know what? This actually is perfect for what the show was. Because at the beginning, they were kind of at each other's throats. Um, and then now they've gotten to the point where they're going to most likely train together. Ahsoka's going to be able to get Sabine to um, the next level. Sabine is shown to be a bit more force sensitive than she thought. So we'll get to see, hopefully... A more trained, a more skilled Sabine in the Force. Um, and one thing I didn't realize, because I never really watched Rebels like that, but I didn't realize that Sabine was Mandalorian. So maybe we get to see some type of crossover between Ahsoka and Mandalorian again. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is called by many like the Mandoverse, and apparently the movie that Dave Filoni is working on is going to tie up the stories of the Mandalorian as well as Ahsoka. Perfect. So, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, obviously, a huge cliffhanger to end it, and I was a little bummed out to see that it was Ahsoka and Sabine that were trapped. And they're really – they're trapped on the exact same planet as Balin. And so, yeah. obviously, Balin is going, you know – go in a different direction, but they're all trapped on the same planet. And, and I'm sure Ahsoka's like, all right, he's out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and I love that Ezra was just like, deuces, I'm sneaking away on the ship. Um, <laughs> but it is cool that like the roles are really reversed, right? Where Ezra yeah. was lost for years and, you know, Sabine and Ahsoka got to live their life. Uh, now the roles are completely switched, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it was cool to see, you know, Hera obviously reunite with Ezra at the end. Um, you know, them trying to, to track down Thrawn and they were kind of climbing that tower and trying to get to the ship was like, like you knew it was like a, a, a level of a video game where like it was time. Like you knew they were going to yeah. run out of time eventually. And it was so cool to see, you know, the Night Sisters magic at work as if anyone listening, if you've played uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, the first Star Wars uh, game with Cal Kestis, you get to see the magic of the Night Sisters, yes. um, which is really neat. And you get it to is. see kind of like those zombies for the first time. So it's the first <laughs> time we're introduced to Star Wars zombies and who doesn't love that? Right. Um, so yeah, there was so many cool, you know, moments and callbacks to, you know, not just Rebels or the Clone Wars, but also the video game. Um, and you don't necessarily have to have played it or seen it to understand it, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, there was a lot of really great moments, but it left everything so open-ended that you do wonder, like, are they going to make a second season of Ahsoka? Are they just going to say, whatever, we'll just take this story and we'll finish it in the movie? 
who knows? Uh, because the movie might still be a few years away. I could easily mm-hmm. see them doing another season. But it would be interesting to see because what I'm kind of worried about is if they do a second season, that it'll have either half or most of the season take place where it's like Ahsoka and Sabine on this planet training. And I've seen enough Dragon Ball Z in my time <laughs> to know that when you have the main hero just training the whole time on a distant planet, everyone's like, all right, when's the main hero getting back? Because the, the story is called Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and you can't have Ahsoka literally on a barren planet with a bunch of hermit people. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I almost kind of want them just to jump into the movie, like let, let that kind of tie up the loose ends there. Um so yeah, I think it, it was it was it was an okay ending. I wouldn't say it was the most satisfying ending. Agreed. Um, I thought definitely the episode before that and even episode five were better for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you give as your overall rating for this season? Uh, so as we always do on a scale of one to ten, um, I am going to rate Ahsoka in regards to character development, in regards to acting, cinematography. Uh, plot. Um, I'm going to give it an overall score of an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, having sat back and really thought about it, this I could honestly go back and rewatch this right now if I wanted to. You read my mind, man. I was going to give it an 8.5. I was. And then I kind of thought about that there was obviously some episodes that were a little bit slower for me. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. I think it's it easily to me is up there with like Mandalorian season one and two is like some of the best Star Wars TV we we've had, and certainly some of the best episodes and character moments we've had. I'm gonna give it an eight point three if we're being real. That's I thought right. about I when we when I was first kind of thinking about the the rating, I thought eight point five, and I only went down kind of point two simply because like I think that there were some moments in it that felt a little too slow. Like you talk about pacing me. I thought that there were moments that were a little too slow for only eight episodes. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. There's there's gotta be a (laughs) lot that needs to happen, but I still love Dave Filoni's writing. Uh, It's not a knock on him at all. I think he's the best star Wars storyteller that there currently is. Um, But yeah, 8.3 with a lot of room to grow. And for the character of Ahsoka, I'm excited to see where it ends up next. Yeah, honestly, that's actually pretty good compared to some of the other Star Wars shows. Uh, so yeah. actually, on that note, like, where do you put Ahsoka amongst the other Star Wars shows? So with the other Star Wars shows, I definitely think it's like, if we're being completely honest, like Book of Boba Fett is like dead bottom. It's like dead last. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm probably going to put seasons one and two of Mandalorian as like number one and two, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh Probably it's it's a close tie between seasons one and two and Obi Wan. Like I know a lot of people didn't like the pacing of Obi Wan. I really enjoyed it, but also Obi Wan's my favorite Star Wars character. So I'm I'm biased in saying this, but I'm going to put Obi Wan at three. Obi Wan season one, and it's probably only going to be season one. Let's be real, right? And then Ahsoka is going to be at four, and then. I do want to throw in Tales of the Jedi because I've really enjoyed Tales of the Jedi. For those that haven't seen it animated show 15 minute episodes also on disney plus uh tales of the jedi probably at five um shoot star wars visions probably at six another animated show on disney yeah. plus and then book of boba fett like that <laughs> that is how much i just like book of boba fett <laughs> uh the best episodes with that were with mando let's be real Literally. what about you um i agree with your rating of um mando one and two at the top. Uh, I think those are easily some of the best Star Wars TV that we've ever gotten. Um, I would put 
Bad Batch season one. And oh, I haven't Soka seen that yet either. Tied mm-hmm. at three because Bad Batch season one, um, I think was like 12 or 13 episodes, but it was so good because it picked up from Bad Batch in Clone Wars. Um, and it's animated. So I'm kind of biased. I love animation a little bit more than I love live action uh, when it comes to TV. But uh, Ahsoka was so good. I would put it right there with uh, Bad Batch. Um, and I haven't seen uh, Visions or Tales of the Jedi yet. Those are definitely on my watch list. But uh, I'll put Obi-Wan and uh, Endor shortly behind those. And then Boba Fett definitely goes at the bottom because literally the first, was it three or four episodes are basically pointless. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest, I still need to finish Andor. I never finished it. <laughs> it was one of those shows I started and did not finish, so I need to rewatch it. Because um, I do I do hear it gets better. It does. Um, yeah. No, so th- there's been a lot of good quality Disney uh, Disney Plus Star Wars shows for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than we can say than the Disney Plus MCU shows. So yeah. I think Star Wars does have a leg up there, even with some of like the lackluster stuff in Book of Boba Fett. So definitely check out... Um, all of Ahsoka uh, season one, uh, check out all these other shows that we mentioned for star Wars. Um, you know, as we wrap up here today, Gary, uh, where do you think, uh, this story evolves into? Like, obviously we know Filoni is working on a movie that ties things up, but where do you hope to see the stories develop? Um, I'm gonna go back to what you had mentioned earlier. I I really hope that this season and just this whole concept of the Filoni verse that they're setting up really ties into that uh, building of the first order. Um, Just because I really enjoy, I've been replaying star Wars fallen order so far, Uh, preparing to play Jedi survivor, of course, but I love the high Republic era and that transition into the new Republic. And so seeing how this has been done, I could, like you mentioned, I could easily see the First Order being built up just due to the fact that the New Republic is being willfully ignorant to their their rumblings right now. Uh, So that's where I'm hoping that it goes. I hope that it really leads into that. And I kind of hope that we get a somewhat rebooted version of the sequel trilogy, because, you know, while the sequel trilogy wasn't terrible, it, it left a lot of room for growth. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, I do think that because knowing Dave Filoni and what he and George have been able to do, where I feel like a lot of people that didn't like Anakin in the prequel trilogy found a new appreciation for him in Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. So I think that Dave Filoni has that power that I think he's going to make us care more about the sequel trilogy. Him and uh, John Favreau are going to make us care more about it by building up to it. So I think... In Filoni, we trust the movie is going to be great. And I think it is going to set up the First Order in a great way. Um, and then, of course, there is still the um, the, the Daisy Ridley, uh, Ray Skywalker film that's going to show her yeah. building up the Jedi Order again. So I think between how they set up this movie and how it sets up the First Order and then also the story that we get that takes place after the sequel trilogy, you know, let's all hope that all of those things do still happen and then mm-hmm. not canceled because of these strikes that are happening. Um, that I think that's going to help us redeem some of those characters. Yeah, I definitely agree. And just a quick note on that. I think Daisy Ridley is an amazing actress and I feel like she gets unnecessary hate for the bad writing that was in the sequel trilogy. 
Yeah. I mean, same thing with what Hayden Christensen and, and Ewan McGregor dealt with in the prequel trilogy. You know, exactly. you can't always control your writing. Um, but let's just hope that, you know, Dave Filoni and John Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy get kind of get, get their ducks in a row and let's make sure that Star Wars is in good hands for the stories that they tell next. With Bob Iger, though, back in the driver's seat, I, I you know, obviously all of these plans for Star Wars were made before he took over Disney again. Right. So hopefully he doesn't try to scrap them because I think. All of us Star Wars fans are really excited to see, obviously, where the story goes. Let Letting Dave Filoni have his own movie, I think, is a great idea. Yeah. And then, obviously, I think having Daisy Ridley come back and rebuilding the Jedi Order again after Luke would be really special. So yeah. I hope that we get to see all these things in live action. It would be really neat. Um, yeah, and I, I am really excited to see um, the future of Star Wars under Dave Filoni because I think that you know Ahsoka... Uh, similar to to Mando, has reignited a lot of fans' passion. Um, Agree. I know a lot of people, apparently the ratings uh, or the the viewership ratings for Ahsoka went down. Like a lot of people didn't finish the show. And maybe it's because we're in this binging culture, right? Where a lot of people just binge all at once and they don't like the weekly releases. So that is kind of disappointing to me. Um, But I I hope that um, that doesn't stop them from developing more Ahsoka in the future because – if we know anything about streamers when they see the viewership and they're like, Oh, well people didn't finish it. So we're not going to tell her story anymore. I hope yeah. that doesn't happen. I agree. Uh, last thing I got to say about it. Iger let funnel, let Filoni cook, please let him cook Let him cook. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that is really our holistic review of Ahsoka season one uh, on Disney plus all episodes are streaming as well as the other shows that we mentioned in our review today so definitely check those out let us know in the comments in the reviews both on our instagram uh, on our facebook page on our youtube channel on the podcast platform that you're listening on currently let us know what did you think of ahsoka season one as always i'm skylar and i'm gary and we will see you next time here at nerds inc Hey everyone, this is Skylar with the Nerds Inc. Podcast, here to say thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying our weekly discussions, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ask us a question, provide your thoughts on our discussions, and we may just talk about it in a future episode. Thanks.